Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, All Seven Rounds in Heaven is back. We're brought to you by the Armchair All-Americans as a part of the Armchair Media Network. College football is feeling more and more unlikely this fall as the Big Ten and Pac-12 have both announced conference-only schedules. It is I, Rob Paul, a.k.a. Jim Rome, because I'm once again flying solo. With AJ being so successful in the studio with Wiz Khalifa, that another week was necessary to do a two-part album. So stay tuned when uh, the AJ and Wiz team-up drops in 2022. Today, I'll be continuing our summer scouting series with the AAC prospects because hashtag power six. Let's hit it. Seven. 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 Seven rounds in heaven with my baby Driving up to Cleveland, maybe Looking for a Lawrence or Sewell Don't draft specialists on the first day Don't draft specialists on the second day Maybe draft a punter in the sixth We'll see, let's go seven rounds Let's go seven rounds together. Let's go seven rounds forever. And that's a song. Following the senseless murders of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and countless other black community members at the hands of police, police officers, we want to ensure we do what we can to make a tangible impact on those communities as we grow. Armchair Media will be issuing four or $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. If you've ever been dismissed as having an unrealistic career path, if you've ever butted heads with parents or teachers because they don't recognize exactly what you want to do with your life, if you have feared to express yourself or put your work into the world due to potential backlash, we strongly encourage you to apply. We recognize that there are creatives out there who may have bypassed college to pursue other avenues who didn't get into college because their passions didn't translate to collegiate testing, or who did not have access to the financial means to pay for college. This is why there are only three requirements for eligibility. Be a black creative, be under the age of 21, and then submit a project to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. The project can be anything that falls under the creativity realm, graphic design, photography, writing, audio, video, journalism, creative writing, anything you feel falls under that realm. And we strongly encourage you to apply. This is, uh, we're doing what we can here. So please, please, please apply if you fit that criteria. There's no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. We'll see about that. 
But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and Bet Online has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. We're all just living in a simulation anyway, am I right? Bet Online also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best prop bets in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your com- computer or mobile device. Enjoy now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. Okay, off the top, uh, unfortunately, no interview this week. Um, I was talking with both UCF and Memphis, and then on what Friday afternoon, a lot of stuff pointing towards probably a college football season won't be happening or there will be major changes or major delays uh so we kind of agreed it didn't totally make sense to um talk to anybody and it it might be a bad a bad look for a a school um just with everything going on so for now interviews will be put on hold hopefully uh as more information comes out regarding what's happening this college football season uh, I'll be able to get a hold of uh some prospects to talk to and um, make them uncomfortable when I ask what their favorite thing about Canada is. So, for now, it'll just be uh, back to summer scouting series. We're still going to follow the, the path of uh, that we do every year. We'll do the Pac-12 next episode, then the Big 12, uh, ACC, Big 10, and SEC. Even if the season's delayed, we still need to scout these guys for the, the draft. The NFL doesn't sound like they'd move the draft, even if... Um, college football's delayed to the spring, which then obviously adds a ton of other ramifications like, will Trevor Lawrence play? No. If there's a spring season, those guys, Lawrence, Justin Fields, Micah Parsons, Dylan Moses, guys like that, Panay Sewell, no reason for them to play. So for now, we're just going to stick to this, this summer scouting series that everybody loves so much. Um, and then we'll, we'll play it by ear. We'll see. Is it play it by ear or play it by ear? I've never been sure. Anyway, Power Six time featuring UConn because, you know, you got to stick them somewhere. They're conference list in college football right now. UConn, that rasc- rascally independent. Um, bring back the old Big East, please. AAC, uh, starting off the top, um, quarterbacks. This is uh, the, the, first, the first conference. I mean, it's the best conference we've done. Where the the quarterback play was even if not a ton of draftable guys, it it was exciting. There's there's a handful of uh, potential here. I think the saddest thing is I watched Mackenzie Milton, even though obviously he didn't play last season after the the devastating leg injury. Um, he's apparently trying to come back this year, but obviously they got Dylan Gabriel in there and. He, he looks like a promising young passer, so we'll we'll see what happens with Mackenzie Milton, but I figured I might as well watch him anyway, and goodness, I think, I know he's 5'11", 185, he's tiny, I think he would he would have been, had had the injury never happened, I think he definitely had the tools to be an NFL quarterback, especially with the, the way the NFL has kind of gotten over the size issues. Uh, with certain guys, when the talent's there, the talent's there. Kyler Murray is a clear uh, game changer in that regard. So 
I, I mean, the ball just jumps out of Mackenzie Milton's hands. I think, what was it, two, two years ago at the Manning Passing Academy, um, he was one of the counselors. And I remember Daniel Jeremiah telling a story about, I think he won. They, they do this thing at the end of uh, each each uh, Passing Academy year camp, whatever you want to call it, um, where the counselors kind of battle for the counselor MVP or something. And, and Daniel Jeremiah talked about how Mackenzie Milton won, I think, yeah, two years ago or so, and how he looked like just the arm talent. That's kind of the thing with these smaller quarterbacks. You look at Kyler Murray. I mean, hell, look at Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield. These guys, Russell Wilson's the, the best uh, example of this. These guys who are smaller if you look at their hand size and everything else, they, they're, like, disproportionate in terms of their, they might be short, but the rest of them isn't lacking for size, that, take that as you will, um, and, and I think Mackenzie Milton's, uh, another example of that, and the ball just jumps out of his hands, he, he can rip tight window throws, he also, I thought, kind of one of the most impressive things with him, was the touch he he knew when to rip it and went when to just kind of float it and really strong decision maker awesome in the rpo game love him out of structure uh and obviously he's a very good athlete he actually reminded me a lot of when vernon adams was at oregon and i know back then size was even more of a concern there were some big time Brendan Adams lovers, and he ended up going to the CFL, and he actually was pretty good last year for Montreal, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, Milton reminds me a lot of that. So even if Milton doesn't fully come back from this leg injury, which it's so up in the air because it was so catastrophic, I do think he's a guy who could get looks um, potentially in the CFL and maybe one day make his way to the NFL. I, I'd like to see it because I do think had this injury never happened, I think he would have been selected on day three of the draft for sure. And I think he, he's a guy who would have gone to the Senior Bowl and made a big impression. And it, it, it's, it's a shame. Anyway, let's talk about guys who will more likely be playing this year. So, Shane Bouchel, obviously, started as a freshman at Texas. Um, Sam Ellinger beat him out when he was a sophomore. He ends up transferring to SMU. Um... Last year for Sonny Dykes at SMU in, in the kind of altered air raid offense, he put up pretty big numbers. And I think he's poised, if the season happens, to really break out. And it's not a great senior quarterback class. And he's kind of – he's one of the seniors who I think could really, really do some damage in terms of – like right now it's kind of every senior quarterback has at least one big question. Like KJ Costello hasn't played – real football really in a year Jamie Newman transferred Kyle Trask kind of came out of nowhere is he for real um my guy Brandon Peters at Illinois is I, I'm banging the table for him but uh I don't know if he's got many big fans and like Derek King is obviously tiny so Shane Bichelle's a guy who I think could really um move up boards and he's definitely a big time senior bowl candidate and he obviously he doesn't have terrific size, if that matters to you. The big concern, I guess, would be the overall arm strength. Like, that's the biggest, the, the glaring hole for him. But in that modified air raid, he is so perfect at executing it. He's like a point guard back there. He's a really, he's a snap decision maker. He knows where the ball needs to go. He's, he's strong um, 
both pre and post snap. Uh, he's his short to intermediate throws. His ball placement's pretty strong. Once you get kind of into those twenty plus yard throws, that's where you start to worry, and that's why his, I think his ceiling's probably capped. Um, but he he's a really good touch thrower. He's got pretty clean feet, a tight uh, a tight a tight throwing motion. He's a guy who, at minimum, I think can be a backup quarterback in the NFL, a day three pick. Um, and at maximum, I think he could, he could spot start, and he's a little, like he's not. To the level of Gardner Minshew, uh, with what he did, um, I mean, in theory, you could take that step as a senior, but I don't think he has quite the same athleticism or or um, or poise. I guess there there's some lacking point. Like he'll, I don't want to say he'll turtle, but under fire, there are times where uh, he seems to get flustered. Where Minshew was a little better at a structure, but I think similar path for Shane Bichelle where he he can really be one of those top senior quarterbacks and be uh, a mid-day three pick when it's all said and done. After that, I don't have anybody else with draftables. Um, Anthony Russo from Temple, he's a big body passer who I think he could take a leap this year as a senior. Um, his arm strength kind of surprisingly not as strong as I was expecting. Uh, but he, he, uh, I'm not going to bang the table for him. I'm just going to move on. Desmond Ritter is, is a guy who I think is very interesting. The thing is he is, he's not even a, a for sure starter for Cincinnati this year. Um, with, I think Ben Bryant's competing with him this year, but Ritter's athleticism and the velocity he can rip onto a ball stood out to me. Uh, and he's only a Richard Jr., so maybe in a year, if if he if he comes back, he wins that Cincinnati starting quarterback job. Cincinnati's going to be a top twenty-five program, one of the best G5s, obviously. And uh, if he if he gets two more years under his belt, he's a really interesting guy. His what he did in the bowl game against Boston College, he arm arm wise, passing wise, he wasn't great, but the athleticism was such a, a cheat code in that scenario that I think he's definitely got to watch. And another non-senior, Holton Allers, Allers at East Carolina. Another big body guy, big arm. He's got two years of eligibility left. If he his mechanics are wonky and his feet are questionable at best, but just the arm talent and the size alone are going to catch attention. So that's a guy to watch. He's a lefty also, um, so I'm sure the NFL will be afraid of him because anything different they don't love. Uh, other than that, I kind of came away disappointed with Brady White. I just there's his his arms fine. He's mechanically he's fine. The feet are pretty consistent. Throwing motions tight. Um, I just he, he questionable decision maker forced too many balls uh, in into contested areas and kind of gets bailed out by all those playmakers at Memphis pretty consistently. Um, he's not a guy I think I would draft, but he, he'd definitely be in a training camp. Let's move to the running backs, where it's a pretty loaded group for a technically a G five program or G five conference. Um, Kenneth Gainwell, I mean, that's that's the dude. That is he is for me right now. He's currently my running back three, behind only Travis Etienne, Najee Harris. Um, he's obviously those guys are both seniors. He's only a redshirt uh, sophomore. He's got a chance to really shoot up the board. Um, Obviously, the immediate question is the size, and he's like 5'11", 190. But 
I don't know if there is a more talented pass catching running back in college football uh, than Kenneth Gainwell. The the way Mike Norville used him in that offense, they split him out wide, they motion him all over the place. Um, he's an impressive route runner for a running back. His lateral agility is awesome. He's so explosive at a breaks. His hands are natural. Despite not being the biggest back in the world, like he wins contested catches because of his body control. I think he's got pretty rare body control for a running back in terms of pass catching. Uh, as a true runner, he is, despite the size, he no one ever gets like a clean shot on him. He's really good at um, taking half the defender away and making them work for the tackle. Uh, the contact balance really stands out. He's like a ping pong ball, just bouncing off defenders. Um, he, he's got the burst to rip off home runs. He's if he gains ten pounds, like right now, I would compare him. He's like a cross between Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. If he can put on some weight, add a little more strength, show a little more consistency as an inside runner, and clean up some uh, ball security issues, he's like I'm not going to say. He's Christian McCaffrey, but um, you could see a path towards being that type of versatile, just complete, game-changing offensive weapon. And he's a guy who I, I think, if he if he didn't play another snap in college football, he he would be a top uh, fifty pick right now. But this this season, he's got a chance to really put himself in that first round combo. Because if you're gonna draft, don't draft running backs early. But if you're gonna draft one who's a complete game changer in the passing game, and that's what Kenneth Gainwell is. Outside of him, I liked both UCF running backs a little bit. They're both uh, a little smaller. Greg McRae and Otis Anderson, both a little smaller. Uh, in the 5'10", 170 range, but bo- they, they're both used so consistently in the, as pass catchers that that's kind of their role at the next level. They're both going to be satellite backs, I think. Um, Mc- McCray's got some big quicks and big bursts to rip off home runs. He's not going to do much for you as an inside runner. He he's, goes down on first contact way too consistently, but if you're using him as that pass catching back and that change of pace on... Uh, outside zones and just getting him in space he's really interesting with Otis Anderson I think he's a better overall running back but doesn't have the same athleticism that Greg McRae possesses and he he's almost used as a slot receiver at times like he reminds me a lot of Theo Riddick where it's he's going to be for both of them really they're both going to be listed as running backs but what they do is what they can do on passing downs um but, yeah, I think Otis Anderson a little more well-rounded, but Greg McKay, Greg McRae, um, more athletic upside. Past those two, I think Mulba Carr at Houston's got a chance to have an interesting year. Um, he took a, he was part of that Houston team where they were just redshirting everybody uh, to kind of bounce back next year. Um, he he brings some some solid size, 6'215". He's a one-cut contact, contact balance, one-cut. Can rip off some bur- like some bigger chunk runs though. Not gonna add anything on passing downs. Really struggling pass protection. Not asked to catch the ball a whole lot. The vision is a question. That's why you, you kind of want him as that one cut guy. But uh, he's definitely an interesting one. And the one, I guess the two others who caught my eye, but neither draftable. Corey Dauphine at Tulane, but he just tore his Achilles, so it's kind of like at this point, I don't really know when he's battled injuries in the past. He's a Texas Tech transfer with huge burst. He uh, 
he's a guy who I'd want to get in my camp. If he's healthy next year, undrafted, get him in camp because I, I swear he he's he's running sub four four. And then Shamari Brooks uh, at Tulsa is a guy who who's got some really great short area quickness and, and wiggle to make guys miss in space. Uh, but past that, that's that's pretty much it. Um, jumping into the receivers, it's a loaded receiver group. Uh, my personal favorite, I, I think there's arguments to have any of these three guys as your number one in the AAC. Demonte Coxie at Memphis, Reggie Roberson at SMU, and Marquez Stevenson at Houston. I have Demonte Coxie as my number one out of those three. I just fell for his ball skills and his smoothness. He's not a dominant route runner, but he's so smooth in and out of his break. Like I just I think there's the potential there to develop as a route runner. Um, his release game is really strong. He he can win with just explosive quick feet off the line, but he is against physical press. He is not afraid to get feisty with his hands and win. He's also got great body control and he makes some of the best um, contested catches. His hands are fantastic. He's he's terrific through uh, traffic. The question I think would be is how athletic is he? I, I don't know that he's a four four sub four five guy. I think he's probably four five four five five type speed. So that's gonna be a question. But the ball skills and what he can do through traffic and just his smoothness. I think he's really nuanced um, the way he plays receiver. And then the other two guys, let's start with Reggie Roberson. He, I think, has the highest ceiling of the three. He has game-changing speed. He makes some terrific plays through traffic, even though he's not the he's 5'11", 200, not the biggest guy. Not small, but not the biggest guy. He's He, he makes some terrific plays through traffic. He's got this top-end speed to rip the, the top off defenses, like a Mike Wallace type. Um, the issue is concentration drops. The drops are going to kind of be the big worry with him. I think the tools are there to become a good route runner. He's just not there yet. And SMU doesn't ask him to run a lot outside of a, a, a curl, a slant, and a fly. Um, but he's he's got like legit 4-3 speed. And so does Marquette Stevenson, the Houston receiver, who I've got third out of the three. Um, I'd like to I'd like to see him do more uh, in terms of making plays across the middle and through traffic. The difference between him and Roberson is I think Stevenson's the better route runner. Roberson's uh, more he he's gonna do more than just run the fly. Like Roberson makes plays through traffic. That's the biggest thing, even though he drops some balls he shouldn't drop. Um, where Stevenson's almost like Hollywood Brown as a freshman type, where it was just the, the speed was overwhelming. They're both 4-3 guys, I swear. Uh, and and both both could be day, day two picks, potentially. The, this receiver class is, again, ridiculous. I think Coxie's got a chance to be the third off the board, but he's my favorite of the three. Um, after those three guys, those those are the headliners, but there, there's more than that. Marlon Williams and Trey Nixon, both the UCF receivers. Marlon Williams is a big-bodied slot um, who's going going to just do most of his damage after the catch. They do a really good job getting the ball in his hands. They, they run a lot of screens to him. Um 
he he's built like a running back. He's physical as hell. Uh, he's got pretty solid hands. He's not really asked to run much of a route tree. That's a concern. He's never really split out wide, so you worry about his ability to beat press. Uh, and, and his downfield speed speed's a question, but if you got him in a defined jumbo slot yak playmaker role. I think he's an interesting guy. And then Trey Nixon is uh, the other UCF receiver who he has some concentration drops, but I think he's got the potential to be a really good route runner. He flashes just his snap in and out of breaks. It's impressive. And he's long and and wiry, but he's got some speed downfield. Um, I just I guess this year I would like to see him clean up the drops and and do more in the intermediate to deep routes. Uh, and then Jaden Blue and Brendan Mack at Temple. Jaden I got Jaden Blue over Mack. Mack's a bigger body, but Blue Blue is um, he he's only Richard Junior. He's he's got some pretty flashy athleticism and explosiveness. I think he's got the potential to become a good route runner. He's not there yet, but he's an interesting slot option. Max more of a big X. And there's Kalen Stokes at Tulsa, who's a, a explosive player after the catch. But um, the, those three, I think they're kind of a tier below Marlon Williams and Trey Nixon. Uh, the only tight end I, I really... Uh, Got, got to, to be honest. Um, Kylan Grayson at SMU, a Rice transfer, they use him in an interesting way. He's basically a, a jumbo slot H-back type. Good hands. Uh, makes He's got the flexibility to make some impressive off-target catches. Uh, no draftable on him, but he's a guy I'd like to... I would sign undrafted and kind of... See what we got in terms of an H back fullback type because you you in today's NFL if you're gonna keep a guy who's your fullback in quotation marks on your roster he's got to do other things and I think Ransom fits that. Moving to the offensive line uh, again, not not a ton of guys here. Um, I'm gonna talk about three. SMU's tackle Jalen Thomas, only a true junior. He lacks size six three three twelve, but. I came away impressed with his smoothness and pass protection, his consistency with his footwork, uh, and his kick step was. I th- a lot of these offensive linemen struggle with their kick step. I thought he was surprisingly uh, clean, especially for a younger guy. For him, you want to see him get stronger. His anchor, like if you're gonna beat him, you're gonna go right through him. He his anchor is not great, and he plays too high at times, uh, and he's not physical enough in the run game. But the just the athleticism and the footwork. Uh, and and just the what you could develop here, I think, is really interesting. But he's got to get stronger, more physical. Again, he's he was only a true sophomore last year, so he was what nineteen. So it's hard to blame him. I think that's a guy in two years you're gonna you're gonna see some stuff about him. Um, and and also uh, another, I, there's no chance in hell I'm gonna say this name right. Xavier Gadlin, the Tulsa right tackle. Again, younger guy, only redshirt sophomore. Um, I thought he, he was just one of the lunch pail linemen. He was a finisher. He's really powerful pop in his hands. He played with a really good bend too, which I was surprised by. Um, and, and a strong anchor. 
Now, I think the next level, he's a guard. He's 6'4", 300. You kick him inside. I think he, the, there's going to be athleticism and length questions to hold up as a tackle. You kick him inside. And again, he's only a redshirt sophomore. He's got three more years of eligibility. He's a guy who I think in a couple years we'll be talking about. And then jumping to the interior offensive line, uh, the only guy who really caught my eye a little bit was UCF guard Cole Schneider. Um, he's only a redshirt junior. He's another guy who, I like the way he finished through the whistle. I thought he played with a lot of power at the point. In a power scheme, he's going to work zone. You've got questions. I I don't think he moved that well. He's he's a phone booth lineman. Uh, He's got to play with better better, uh, bend this year. And uh, his pass protection's up and down. But definitely got to watch. I don't have a draftable on him. The only lineman I have a draftable grade on was Jalen Thomas from SNU. Late seventh. But I do think... Gadlin and Thomas, and in a year or two, those are guys we might be talking about a little bit more. Uh, but other than that, uh, I think the biggest takeaways from from the AAC offensive guys is Memphis just can't stop producing offensive talent with Gainwell and Coxie. Um, UCF with McCray and Otis Anderson, those are two guys who I think find roles in the NFL. Uh, the Roberson-Bichelle connection, I think that's one of the best in college football. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens with the UCF offense. Uh, I, I just wish Mackenzie Milton was healthy. But, but with um, all those playmakers, I, I think UCF poised for another big year. Ow! Oh my gosh! F word! Those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving before I knew about Manscaped. Thank you, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks, baby. Start taking notes, men. Because Manscaped accidents are finally a thing of the past. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 has been beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. This is their third generation trimmer featuring advanced skin safe technology so you keep your body nice and smooth. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology development to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience and they spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take longer to shave. The water resistance allows you to shave in the shower too. One of the coolest features is the LED light switch, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because... This intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So many people have written in stories about the Lawnmower 3.0 and how it has changed their lives. They even included pictures so I could see the smoothness of their balls for myself. And they aren't kidding, those bad boys are smooth. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair. Uh, yeah. That's that's the ad. Uh, your balls will thank you. And yeah, code armchair, baby. Go to manscaped.com. Uh, and guess what? BetOnline.ag are our best friends. You go there, you start placing bets. Football season might come back. Maybe you can bet on that. I don't really know. But for now, guess what? Baseball is coming back. Rob Manfred finally figured it out. Uh, I'm pretty sure Rob Manfred's not even a baseball fan because he blew their biggest opportunity to kind of save their sport to some extent. Um, 
Anywho, you can bet on baseball and, and basketball when they come back. And UFC. I mean, there was a fight island kind of happened. I don't know. Uh, that It was on an island. It wasn't like physically outside on the island, but it was physically on the island, if you know what I mean. Let's get out of this ad. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Okay. Uh, defensively. Um once again, not 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 a ton of guys. I think the secondary players were the most interesting of any of the groups. Uh, in terms of the front seven, I only came away with one draftable grade, and that's Tulane's Patrick Johnson, and he's a guy I really really like. Um, he he's kind of just built to be one of those Sam linebackers who on base four three defense he's playing Sam on passing downs. You can stick his hand in the dirt and let him rush the passer. He's kind of got that Kyle Van Noy vibe to him, or um, he—he's not quite uh, like I, I don't think he'll be a true edge. I think Sam would be his best position, six two two fifty five. My favorite thing about him is his ability to convert speed to power. He—he he did that a couple times against Florida International. Uh, just creates havoc. Um, this this year, like he's got he's got the the he plays with really great leverage as a pass rusher, and he's got some bend and, and great motor. And he's this year, I think you you want to see him kind of develop more pass rush moves with his hands, and uh, just kind of expand that repertoire. Um, he also needs to get more powerful at the point as an edge setter versus the run. But overall, I think he's a guy who could be a top 150 pick for sure. Um, maybe maybe even a day two pick. He, I think that kind of the, the thing that surprised me in a positive way the most was his his natural fluidity to, dr- to, to drop in, in zone. They ask him to do a lot of things at Tulane. He's not just, like, he, he's playing as a, as a true edge with his hand in the dirt, but he also plays um, two-point on the edge and some off-ball, and they have him drop, and that's part of the reason I think he could be a very... In the right scheme, like he, he's going to be a definite contributor, and maybe more than that in the NFL. Uh, I'm a big fan, big fan. One of one of my favorite defensive players thus far. Uh, other than that, I, I thought Elijah Ponder at Cincinnati kind of got my attention a little bit. Um, the defensive lineman, he he's pretty much j- plays five tech um, only, uh, and, and he. He doesn't really have the, I guess, the power and the and the weight to be anything outside of a five tech. Like I don't, I don't think I would kick him inside further than that. And yeah, I mean, he doesn't really add a ton of pass rush on that. Look, I'm selling myself to not like him now. Uh, but no, I don't have a draftable grade on him. But I thought the leverage and the quickness were interesting and potential undrafted five tech type. It wasn't a great group. Uh, the linebackers kind of left a lot to be desired. My highest rate was Eric Mitchell, the UCF linebacker. Um, he, he moved pretty well uh, going forward, but laterally there was a lot of questions for me. Um, he, he's a consistent tackler, but the instincts were lacking. I, I thought maybe a special teams linebacker type, but overall the athleticism kind of capped. Jarrell White was another linebacker who's basically a safety for Cincinnati. I think he's a potential special teams player. Let's just jump to the secondary where there's actually good players. Um, UCF corner Aaron Robinson, an Alabama transfer who predominantly, like, he was their third corner technically last year. 
Um, but so he's playing a ton of nickel, but they actually line him up as a dime linebacker too, and they move him around. And this is a guy. He he's got fantastic um, instincts, both in coverage and, and he's a very willing run defender. I think he's great in zone. He's got great eyes in zone. Um, his hips are really fluid. He's physical as a press as a press corner as well. Um, but again, yeah, and, and a willing run defender. He's a guy who I think, with the nickel being a base defense nowadays, he's a guy who could be. I'm gonna say he could be a day two pick. Like I thought he was that that terrific. He his movement skills. And again, he, he was originally at Alabama, and there's a reason for that. His movement skills, his physicality, um, and just his instincts. I, I think this year, if he kicks outside, which is potentially what's going to happen with Neville Clark gone, uh, you want to see him be more consistent in man coverage and, and just locate the ball a little better. Uh, I, at times, I thought when asked to play man, he kind of sh- would struggle to find the ball um, and, and could get over physical with the receiver. And I, I'd like to see more consistent footwork. Um, but overall, like at worst, I think he can be at what Cam Sutton is with the Steelers, where he's this versatile dime linebacker DB type. Uh, I, I was really, really pleased with him. Another corner who I was... Temple's been producing corners for a while now. Christian Braswell. He's only a redshirt junior. He's 5'10", 178, so not a ton of size, but he plays so much bigger than that. Um, I thought he was very physical. Like, not not a great run defender uh, or tackler, but very physical and press, press man. And great instincts in coverage and consistent, crisp footwork. He's a guy who I, I, I would watch going forward. He was against Memphis, who's got, uh, obviously, a handful of playmakers. He was... Uh, he was like he, he he just stepped up and he was physical with Coxie off the line and that was a good battle. That's one one to watch. Um, and in opposite him, opposite him, Linwood Crump, who if he's healthy this year, he's another guy who I, I like as a press man. He's got really clean, loose hips. Um, those are two that two corners to definitely watch. Uh, other than that, I, I I swear there's been hype for Memphis corner T.J. Carter for a while. I didn't really think he was anything special. He's a he's a jag, just a guy. Um, safety wise, Richie Grant is obviously the big name at UCF. Uh, put up big interception numbers two years ago. He's a little bit allergic to contact, and that's kind of the biggest issue. He's not going to do much for you in terms of a run defender, but um, I think he's really terrific as a zone player. He they 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 play him as an overhang. They play him in too deep. I think he's got the range to potentially be a single high type of guy. Um, his hips are a little tight, and that's a, a bit of a worry. But at minimum, he's a versatile safety who can be a overhang slash nickel and play a little too deep. I got a Rodney McLeod pro comp on him. Um, he, but at the end of the day, if he's not going to improve his tackling, and like he is gonna miss a handful of tackles uh and he's not gonna give you much uh, at all in terms of run defense so that's gonna be the biggest thing with him but the ball skills are there the instincts in zone the eyes in zone he's really smart uh zone cover safety um and nickel so 
I think right now he's a he's a midday three pick, but if he can clean some of that run defense up, potential fourth or maybe even earlier. Uh, and then Cincinnati safety James Wiggins, if he can get healthy, he is a guy who brings size, uh, consistent tackling. Um, he's a really smart zone player with his eyes. Uh, the 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 hips and the feet are not great, and the overall athleticism is a question. But you you can see him being um, at least a rotational defensive back, and maybe even a flats defender like Kevon Wallace was for Clemson last year. Uh, but after that, it's I don't know Antoine Collier and Derek Forrest. I think could make rosters as special teams players with their size and physicality. Um, but other than that, that's that's it. The only draftables on defense I had were Patrick Johnson, Aaron Robinson, Richie Grant, and Christian Braswell. Uh, the Pac-12 is loaded, so don't worry. We'll talk about defense next week. Um, and then just jumping back to the offense, the only draftables I had were Mackenzie Milton when he's healthy, Shane Bichelle, uh, Kenneth Gainwell, Greg McRae, Demonte Coxie, Reggie Roberson, Marquez Stevenson, Jalen Thomas. Um. All right. Before before we get out of here, I'll uh, I'll make my AAC offensive player of the year pick. I think it's pretty obvious. I'm gonna go with Ken- Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, he's only really competing with Shane Bichelle for that uh, for that title. And I think Memphis, with Silverfield taking over and having the continuity from he was part of Norvell's staff, I think Memphis is gonna uh, outpace SMU in the end. And I think Gain- Gainwell's got a chance to be a thousand yard rusher and at least. I, I'm gonna. He's gonna go for. Uh, I'm gonna say fifteen hundred on the ground, seven hundred in the air. I mean, he put up close to that last year as a redshirt freshman, so we'll see. And then ACC or AAC Defensive Player of the Year Freudian slip. I'm gonna go with Patrick Johnson. I think uh, last year he only had four sacks, but the year before he he, he might have had ten. Um, I think he'll have a bit of a bounce back this year as he takes on more as a senior. And I think this is kind of. I think he was so clearly the best front seven player. And him and Aaron Robinson were the two best defensive players. Um, But Aaron Robinson doesn't have quite the same uh, clout as Patrick Johnson. So I'm going to give it to Patrick Johnson. Uh, AAC champion. I'll be taking Memphis over Cincinnati this year once again. I know, again, Norvell's gone to Florida State. But Silverfield keeps continuity within the staff. Um there's just too much. Like, Brady White, I don't love him as a draft prospect, but obviously he's a very good college quarterback. He's third year as a starter now. Gainwell's the best player in the conference. Coxie, I think, is the best receiver in the conference. Um, they're just going to put up points. And, and Cincinnati's going to be the best defensive uh, defensive team in, in the conference, but I don't think they have enough offensive firepower to keep up with Memphis in the end. Uh, finally, our AAC City of the Week. Such an obvious choice. New Orleans, Louisiana, home to Tulane and Yeoman Stadium. New Orleans is like one of the five best cities in the world, so obviously it was going to be City of the Week. Uh, And for the notable people section, uh, there's obviously a million. So here are some of my favorite. Author Michael Lewis, Benjamin Button, um, Gambit from X-Men, Sandra Bullock. Uh, now, again, they're just claiming people. I don't know if any of these people are actually from there. They're going to claim all these people. Sandra Bullock, Ellen DeGeneres, Anthony Mackie, Carl Weathers, Tommy Wiseau. That's the best one. Reese Witherspoon, James Carville. He's got a top accent. The Gumble Brothers, DJ Khaled, 
Dr. John, and of course Lil Wayne. And then finally, our notable Tulane alumni. This list wasn't terrific, but Anthony Jeselnik, the comedian. Jerry Springer, so pr- pretty good. And then uh, three football men. Matt Forte, J.P. Lossman, who remembers when he uh, was like six years removed from his NFL career, but an NFL scout was interested in signing him because he was like throwing passes at a Clemson Pro Day. And of course, the awful GM, Mike Tannenbaum. I know, no interview, I'm sorry, I tried. Hopefully the college football season happens. Hopefully we can talk to some prospects uh, before then. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, a lot, a lot of, a lot of news is coming out quickly. Um, so stay, stay tuned and uh, subscribe, download, do all that jazz, and tune in next, uh, next show for the Pac-12 prospects when we finally get to Power Five conferences and there's actually a ton of uh, fun guys. In, uh, in, hey, hint, the best prospect in the whole 2021 drafts in the Pac-12. So. Uh, See you later.